0: Learn more at marines.com. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from ACAST. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two Footed Podcast is brought to you by eplindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from, while keeping your data safe. So as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block, allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five star ratings across the board. So go to LibertyShield.com right now, use the code EPL25 and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router. And any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25, for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable, hosted by Kevin DeVries, on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. good boys and girls two-footed podcast on Tuesday the 10th of January and the FA Cup third round is over kind of there's replays to come but we had the last game last night Oxford nil Arsenal three for 55 minutes Oxford are the better team in this game and yet Arsenal go ahead to win 3-0 because Premier League quality is Premier League quality but Arsenal didn't look particularly good for the first 55 to 60 minutes last night. But Mohamed Elneny scores on 63. And then two from Eddie and Nketiah on 70 and 76. Send them on to face Manchester City in the next round. We do obviously have those replays coming up. But this, this one will not need a replay. Arsenal to face City. The replays we have, just to recap from yesterday. West Brom, Chesterfield. Swansea, Bristol. A Bristol City, that is. Leeds versus Cardiff. Accrington-Stanley versus Boreham Wood. Wolves versus Liverpool. And we still have Forest Green versus Birmingham to be played from this round of games. It was called off because of the waterlogged pitch. If that goes to a draw, I'm not sure when they'll play the replay. They might just have to say to that one, there's no replay. It's extra time and penalties. And away you go. go. Um, but the FA Cup is shaping up to be quite good this season. It is shaping up to be quite good. We obviously have a bunch of lower league versus lower league games for the fourth round, so it should be fun. It's a slow day today. There's not a whole lot going on. There's bits of news. Um, two big bits of news. Gareth Bale has announced his retirement from football at the age of 33. Wales' is most capped and record goal scorer. Five-time Champions League winner. Won the MLS Cup with... LAFC just this past season. Um, Bale has had a a very, very good career. Now, you could argue he didn't maximise his ability in terms of becoming the full player he could have become. When you look at his time at Real Madrid, a lot of injuries, a lot of downtime, a lot of spells where he he wasn't anywhere close to what they expected him to be. Even at Spurs, you know, the first couple of years at Spurs, he was seen as a a bit of a flop having been bought from Southampton. They bought him for 5 million as a left back. It wasn't until they converted him to left wing that he really took off. And then when he moved to the number 10 position, that's when he really started to show what he was capable of in that last season. 26 goals and 44 games in that final season, the 2012-13 season. Before that, he did two good seasons. Um, The first three, to be fair, weren't great. But the first two were fairly dreadful. And if you remember, there was like a long spell where if Gareth Bale started, Spurs lost. And people thought he was cursed. But it was clear he had talent. It was just finding how to use that talent. A lot of people suggested Spurs at the time should have gone to a back three and used him as a wing back because... You could tell he was special going forward. Defensively, was where he had issues. He also had a number of injuries, and his hamstrings would act up. Goes to Real, 22 and 44, 17 and 48, 19 and 31. He doesn't play particularly well through those first couple of seasons. He has moments and he has runs of form, but he isn't consistent. And there's a lot of hand wringing in the. Spanish press, is he a flop? But Real are, are winning. They're winning competitions, they're winning trophies. So it doesn't really matter. Turns in he was brilliant in 1718. He had an injury plagued season in 1617, was brilliant in 1718. And then it all started to peter out. The last two seasons he was barely a factor. They say he won five Champions Leagues. He barely kicked a ball last season he played 7 games in all competitions um he was sent back on loan to spurs the season before that and obviously did quite well there but again a lot of injuries and you could tell there was just games where it was bypassing he wasn't able to impact winning week to week to week went to lafc played 13 times scored 3 goals made a big impact in the final of the mls cup but again, wasn't able to show what he was capable of because the injuries, the focus on Wales, the focus on golf, he fell out of love with the game. It's very clear. He fell out of love with the game a long time ago, you know, three, four years ago. But the drive to play for Wales was obviously always there. 41 goals and 111 caps led them to a world cup, led them to doing very, very well at a European Championships in 2016. Not so much in uh, 2020. They did okay, but not not as well as they had done in 2016. But a really impressive um, effort to get Wales to a World Cup, which obviously had been something they hadn't achieved in a long, long time. For me, he's always going to be a bit of a what-if. I don't think he fully maxed his talent. I know he has a ton of medals and he made a ton of money: three league titles, a Copa del Rey, a Super Cup, five Champions Leagues, three European Super Cups, three World Club Cups, an MLS Cup, and a supporter Shield. But for me, I just I feel like he should have he should have done more with his talent. And if you look at his individual awards. He made the Champions League squad of the season in 15, 16, and the UEFA team of the year in 11, and in 2011 and 2013, both years he was at Spurs. The only thing he was picked as uh, the only award, uh, individual award he got at Real was once in the Champions League squad of the season, and he won the, the goal of the season. FIFA goal of the season um, for the bicycle kick against Liverpool in the in the final, and that's it. Everything else is from when he was at Spurs. He just didn't consistently show himself enough at Real, and he got he got goals, but goals aren't always a measure of performance, as we've seen with a number of other players. But he was a big moment player, and he did step up in the big occasions, and that's kind of his legacy is that he was the big game player. More so than Cristiano Real. Bale was the big game player. Cristiano had one good Champions League final in his seven. Bale was pretty impressive in most of the ones he played in. So he's retiring at 33. He, he'll go off and I'd say he'll just fade into the The background, I don't think he's going to want to coach or do anything like that. I think he'll quite happily live a quiet life moving forward. He might do a bit of punditry or something. Um, But in much more heartbreaking news for this podcast, Steve Bruce has announced that he is considering retiring or looking to retire, hopefully to become uh, a novelist. If you don't know about Steve Bruce's novels, Striker, Sweeper, and Defender. Um, written while manager of Huddersfield Um, they are murder mysteries with a football manager solving them in his his spare time a football manager named Steve Barnes I wonder who that's based on Bruce has expressed his embarrassment of the books which have become sought after collectibles fantastic fantastic He's written one autobiography. It's called Heading for Victory. It was released in 1994 when he was captaining Manchester United to Premier League titles. Uh, he had planned a new one in 2019, but hasn't come out yet. His parents passed away, and then he was manager in Newcastle. So he didn't have time. Um, Steve Bruce had a decent enough career as a manager. Like he just did, and I know he's become a bit of a laughing stock, but he did have a decent enough career as a manager. He managed Sheffield United for one year, won 40% of his games. Then he went to Huddersfield. He was there for a year and a couple of months. 37.9%. Not great. Not great. Went to Wigan as a caretaker manager for eight games. Did okay. Went to Crystal Palace to start the next season. Did well. Won 11 of 18, but 61% of his games, but fell out with the owners and And left. Went to Birmingham. That's kind of the job that I'd always associate him with. Was was Birmingham. He was there for almost six years. 269 games in charge. And overall I think he did quite well there. Given the financial restrictions that exist at that club. And have always existed at that club. Um, Then he went to Wigan. Didn't go great. Then he went to Sunderland. Went pretty poorly. Went to Hull. And he did fairly well at hull. Went to Aston Villa and it, it was a bit of a disaster, if we're being honest. Took the Sheffield Wednesday job, walked out on them to take the Newcastle job. It was a mess. Took the West Brom job and, and was disastrous at West Brom. Like it is over for Steve Bruce. His his brand of football was fine 20 years ago. It doesn't it doesn't work now. But you know, you look at him as a manager, twice promoted with Birmingham. Twice promoted with Hull. FA Cup runner-up in 13-14. Lost the final to Arsenal. 3-2 after extra time. We're 2-0 up in 8 minutes. 2-0 up in 8 minutes. He must have thought all his Christmases had come at once. Uh, One-time Premier League Manager of the Month. What's funny to me, and this might just be to me, 2018-19, he's Aston Villa manager to begin the year. Villa sack him on October 3rd. 11 games into the season. They're 12th. Dean Smith takes over. By which point They've dropped to 15th, has a an iffy start and then gets them promoted in the same season. So just by getting rid of Bruce and getting Dean Smith, they go from mid-table to promotion. 11-12, sorry, 21-22 season, he is Newcastle manager. They sack him October 20th. Eight games in, and they're 19th, and they end up finishing 11th, and now they're third under Eddie Howe. And ridding themselves of Bruce is a big big factor in that. And then he takes over at West Brom, and again gets sacked in October. October 10th this time. Uh, That is after 13 matches. They sit 22nd of 24, and now, 13 more games later, they're ninth under Carlos Corberon. And Carlos Corberon lost his first four or five games in charge, but has turned things around. They've been really good of late. They've won 8 of 9 in the league. So they look like a team that's upwardly mobile. There's a lot of talent in that West Brom squad, but yeah, I mean, Steve Bruce sack him in October and turn your seat, rescue your season. He's also been sacked in. He's been sacked in October four times. How did Huddersfield season go after they sacked him in October? Uh, it, there might not even be a Wikipedia page for it. Oh, there is. Here we go. I was replaced by Lou McCary and they got relegated. But you appointed Lou McCary. What, what are you expecting here? Um, he's, so he's been sacked four times in October and three times in November. Yeah, it's not ideal. Not ideal. At least he gets Christmas off a lot of years. So that's good. But yeah, Steve Bruce. We may no longer see his particular brand of gammon and gravy ever again. Yeah. Right. We'll take a break. When we come back, we've got some transfer stuff. We've got some gossip. We're going to be done quick today, folks. I'll see you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So if you haven't been paying attention to uh, the National Women's Soccer League, which is the top league in the United States, you might not be aware that there is a massive scandal going on and four coaches have now been given lifetime bans for systemic misconduct in the league. Two clubs, the Chicago Red Stars and Portland Thorns, have been fined a million dollars or more. Paul Riley has been banned. Paul Riley is an English coach. Uh, He's been banned for life. He was last employed by the North Carolina Courage. Uh, He was sacked from there and alleged defenses came to light. A round of games were suspended before players halted matches in their own displays of unity. The commissioner, Lisa Baird, resigned. Riley has denied the accusations. Four coaches, including Riley, have been subjected to permanent exclusion from the league. Uh, Christy Holly, former coach of uh, Racing Louisville, uh, former Chicago Red Stars coach Rory Dames, and former Washington Spirit coach Richie Burke. Eight other individuals have also had their future employment with the NWSL listed as conditional. Uh, Vera Paul, who's currently the manager of the Republic of Ireland women's national team, She was the former coach of Houston Dash. She said that there were false allegations she had body shamed players in 2018. Arnhem Whistler, who owns the Red Stars, and Thorns owner Merritt Paulson have agreed to sell their teams. Racing Louisville got a $200,000 fine. North Carolina Courage got a $100,000 fine. And the NWSL is compelling both owners to hire sporting staff that is completely distinct from the respective men's team. Crazy. Aston Villa are closing in on the signing of Alex Moreno, left back from Real Betis. It just seems like a bit of a strange one to me. He's a a good player, but he's 29. And... I don't know that he's any better than Luca Dina, who's also twenty-nine thirty, and who you played big money for for a couple of years ago. Now I know Emery didn't, but it just seems like a bit of a strange move. But again, he's a good player. We'll we'll see how it turns out. I wouldn't be a, be moving for him, but you know, Emery has his has his choice. Um Arsenal remain in talks with Shakhtar from Kylo Mudrik. I, I can't understand how they're still in talks for him when Shakhtar are demanding the type of fee that they're demanding. Like the bids Arsenal have already made are well above what he's worth. Like this is a guy who's had really this is his second season. In the Shakhtar first team, I think he scored 13 goals in his career. He's he's very unproven, and he's largely completely unproven outside of Ukraine. I know he has he's had a good Champions League campaign this year with three goals in six games, but I don't know. It just seems like a really strange move. For they're asking for you know 80 to 100 million. Arsenal have already offered 60. It just doesn't seem like a smart move. And he plays the same position as Martinelli. So I'm not really sure what the plan is. Is it to move Martinelli into the middle? That's fine while Gabriel Jesus is out. But what happens when Jesus comes back? And what happens to Emile Smith-Rowe, who plays largely off the left? Is he now the backup 10? They don't only really play a 10. It's more two eights. With Odegaard and Jacka, So I don't really know where Smith-Rowe fits. Is Smith-Rowe now the backup on the right? That doesn't seem like the best use of his abilities. Maybe Smith-Rowe gets a loan. It just seems like an odd move. It really does seem like an odd move. Uh, Brendan Rodgers has come out to defend himself. Saying I'm not a magician. And he's blamed the board for not backing him. Uh, says it's becoming a real challenge. I'm not been funny, Brendan. Like, you haven't done a particularly good job now for eighteen months. If you look at our net spend since I've been here, it's about ten million. Compare that to our competitors. I, I'm not sure that's true, Brendan. Let's have a look. When oh, yeah, did he take over? Was oh, it 1890 He took over. Yeah, didn't spend anything that year so 1920 um James Justin Yuri Thielemans 40 million Josie Perez was 24 so there's 70 million spent no any notable sales no no notable sales um so yeah, about 70 million spent that season. Uh 2021 spent 51 million. They paid four million for Cheng's unders loan. So 55. Uh sales. Ben Chilwell went. Yes, that's that's one. Damari Gray, I think they sold for like two million. Uh Islam Slimani, I think they got ten for so they probably made a slight profit that year. But you're still talking about 65 million net spend. Last year. Pats and Daka. Boubacar Samari. Yannick Vestergaard. There's. What are we looking at? Probably 22. Say 45. 70 million ish spent. And players that left. There was no big sale. No, there was no big sale, and they brought in Adam Ola Luckman on loan as well. There's another couple of million, so we're talking about a hundred I don't know, hundred and fifteen million of a net spend. Um, Woot Phase was twenty five, I think, but they did sell for fan, obviously. For 65, so you're still talking about an expend of about 75 million, it's a lot more than the 10 million he's lying about. Um, Brendan is a notorious liar, but that's even for him, that's quite outrageous. Um, he says he's a decent coach, he is a decent coach, he's just a coach that has a short shelf life at clubs, and Leicester should be looking to move him on, but unfortunately. They gave Brendan a big new contract a while back and they probably can't afford to get rid of him because they spent quite a lot of money for quite a while and the Premier League profit and loss rules mean that they have to scale back a little bit. Uh, So what deals we have done so far? So Cody Gakbo to Liverpool's done. We'll wait and see obviously how that one goes. I'm not a huge Gakbo fan, but I, I do like what I see and I think he could fit very, very well. Shape-dependent. Wolves sign Matthias Cunha. I think that's a very good deal for them. If they stay up, obviously, they have the option to buy him. Uh, Max Wolber. I'm not really keen on this one. He, he's an improvement on Liam Cooper. I just feel like he could have spent your money better. But Jesse Marsh knows him very well from their time together at Red Bull Salzburg. And I'm sure is confident in getting uh, getting more out of him than what we've seen at Torino and at Ajax or no Sevilla and Ajax rather um, I, ho- I hope he does well, I do hope he does well I think him and him and Diego Lorente could be a good pairing Kevin Shad going to Freiburg loan with an option to buy I think he's super talented, could be an obligation to buy, I think he's super talented I think that's a great signing for them uh, Benoit badia going to uh, Chelsea 35 million, I think that's great value it's a six-and-a-half-year contract, or seven and a seven-and-a-half-year contract, so they're splitting. The They can use the amortization across seven years, which is quite funny. But he is a very, very promising young player. A little bit raw, a little bit error-prone, but you expect those things in such a young defender. Him and Fafana long-term could be really, really impressive with Reese James and either Chilwell or Kukureya or Lewis Hall, who looks a hell of a player, as the left-back. So they're... They've got something in place for the long term, but the short term could be a little bit tough. Mizlav Orsic going to Southampton for 8 million. I think that's a brilliant buy. Good value. Game-changing type of player will bring some creativity, can bring goals. They still need to get their number nine, but you can't go wrong with Orsic for Orsic for 8 million. Uh, that's a very, very good bit of business. Uh, David Datro, Fafana and Andre Santos going to Chelsea. Combined fee in the region of £30 million. Two very talented players. Two players that will likely spend the next few years out on loan getting experience. But all things considered, I think they should be happy enough with, with the three signings. Badia uh, and those two, especially off the back of what they did in the summer. But that's another £65 million or so spent. And obviously, they've committed another 60 million for Christopher Nkunku, and they're bringing in Joe Felix. I see the fans crying a lot. You're the most entitled people going, This is a big outlay on top of a big outlay. You're 400 million in. Now, I know you've still got to get a bunch of different things. You've still got to get a midfielder, a goalkeeper, a backup right back, and a a striker, but you're 400 million in here. So you might want to just settle down at the crying. It's not like they're not trying. Um, They're just doing it badly. This is what silly people like Todd Bowley do. Uh, I missed this, actually. Ashley Westwood has left Burnley to join Charlotte FC. He had that horrendous um, leg injury. Hopefully he's fully recovered and goes and enjoys himself with Charlotte. Um, And it looks like Carlos Alcaraz, not the tennis player, the footballer from uh, from Racing is joining Southampton for around twelve million. He is very very talented. This is a very good signing. Very very good signing. Wouldn't surprise me if if they're looking at him to replace Ward Prowse in the summer when Ward Prowse goes because Ward Prowse will probably go in the summer one way or another. Even if they go down. If they do go down, like I was looking at Southampton the other day, and there's so much talent there. They're also been linked with Jeremy Doku at the moment, by the way. I'd imagine that one might be a loan with an option to buy if they stay up. But let's say they go down. They can sell Walker Peters. They can sell Lyanko. They can sell Coletta Carr. They can sell Ward Prowse. They could probably sell Che Adams. But everyone else, and maybe the likes of Elianassi would go as well, but everybody else I'd be looking at making sure they stay. You look at but the goalkeeper Basunu, I think he'll absolutely stay. I think you could, could definitely keep Belakotchip for a year in the championship. I think you could keep Salisu for a year in the championship. Tino L- L- Livermanto, absolutely. Uh, Juan Larius and Thierry Small. Roman Perot might leave. But you'd still have a a really good young goalkeeper and a really good young back four. You'd still have Romeo Lavia. You'd still have Alcaraz. You'd have Samuel Adozi. Orsic might stay a year in the Championship. He might be okay. He was going to join Burnley last year. And he changed his mind. And he knew they might go down. So he might be okay signing up for it. I think Ibrahim Adialo stays. Sekumara stays. I, I think they'd have the bones of a really good young team to go down, get a year's experience together playing in the championship and come up battle hardened. So I don't think relegation will be a, a massive disaster for Saints. It might allow them to clean things up a bit and get rid of some of the older, overpaid, underperforming players. And like I say, with sales for Ward-Prowse and Walker-Peters, plus, say, Coletta carr and Lyanko, that's more than enough to cover the cash shortfall. And they're probably the biggest earners of the club. And El- Elgin like I say, another one that's on fairly good money, probably goes as well. But everybody else... Maybe Perro and Che Adams. I think everybody else would stay. So I don't think relegation would be a disaster for them. I think they'd be able to keep a lot of these young players. They've signed them on long contracts, and you know Mbella Kotchup is what twenty-one. Lavi is nineteen. Might still. Be, I think he's just turned nineteen. Say Kumar, I think is twenty. Yeah. There's no reason to sell these players. Keep them. Build with them. Develop something, come back up next season with a team, a team that's been formed and forged in the championship. Look at, I mean, look at what Burnley are doing. And they're going to come up a far better team than they went down. They sold off a couple of pieces and kept who they wanted, but they turned over quite a bit of the squad. I don't think Saints need to do that. I think they'd be in a much better position. I don't know about Nathan Jones, but I, I, I like what I'm seeing in terms of the young players that are there. Mara is so talented. Livermento's massive talent. Basunu, Bella laviet these are huge talents. Samuel Adosi, Larios is very talented. Thierry Small is very talented. Like they've got a couple of lads out on loan that they can bring back as well. Like Jan Bednarak, they could just bring him back. If they sell Lyanko and and Colette Carr and just have him as a you know a third centre back. They have um, Simeo, the young centre back they brought in from Chelsea, who's on loan at Morecambe. He could be another who's your fourth centre back. I think they'd be in fairly good, Nick, if they went down. They could build something, come back up. Don't think it'd be the end of the world for them. Um, and that's where we stand with transfers done so far. Let's go to the gossip. Burnley, Burnley's Netherlands striker, Veghorst, who is on loan at Pisictus, has offered to pay a compensation fee to the Turkish club out of his own pocket to force a move to Manchester United and the deal could be sealed by Tuesday. Well, today is Tuesday and it hasn't happened yet. Um, so we'll wait and see. Benfica boss Roger Smith says Chelsea's pursuit of Argentina midfielder Enzo Fernandez, who has a release clause of about 106 million is closed. No more dealing there. Atletico Madrid want to extend Joe Felix's contract by one year until 2027 before he joins Chelsea. There is reports that Diego Simeone is going to leave Atletico Madrid in the summer. So the idea would be separate the two because they don't get on let Zhao go on loan, and when Simeone leaves, Xiao comes back and you probably just build the team around him. And Simeone, I think, should take a year off, go, rest, recuperate, and then come back at whatever club you deem worthy of your talents, be it into Milan, Lazio. I don't think he'll come to England. He said before he doesn't want to come to England. He doesn't trust the English media after what they said about him in 98 and the way they treated Beckham in 98. He was quite... Disturbed by. But, um, you know, you never know. Money talks. But I think he'll go to Italy. I, I do think he'll go to Italy. And I think Inter is the more likely job there for him. But he said previously he'd like to manage both Inter and Lazio because that's where he played. Um, I don't think Lazio could back him in the way he'd want to be backed. But Inter, once they get themselves on a more even footing probably could and the squad wouldn't be dreadful for what he wants to do, assuming they can keep Schrinier. If you give him Schrinier and Bastone and say, right, there you go. That's your there your building blocks. Plus Barella in midfield, like he'd love Barella. I think he'd be quite happy. Brozovic is a very Simeone player. There's a few that aren't. There's a few that aren't. But Laturo, I think he'd love Laturo be his new Griezmann. I think he'd get a real tune out of them. Chelsea have stepped up their interest in Marcus Turam and Noni Mudeki. Now, if Noni has decent people around him, they will tell him avoid Chelsea at all costs. Because that would be a horrible move for him. Brighton have reached a verbal sorry, Brighton have rejected a verbal offer from Tottenham for Leandro Trossard, and the Seagulls have no intention of selling the 28-year-old in January. Makes sense. Makes sense, although it it does appear like he he might be on the outs a little bit with with the Zerbi. West Ham have renewed their interest in Yusuf N. Naziri and hope to sign him on loan for the rest of the season. Doesn't really make sense to me. Him and Skamak is not really a pairing that I can see working all that well. N. Naziri has indicated he's not ready to leave Spain. Fair enough. Tottenham must pay Pedro Porro's full release close, 36.7 million, in one lump if they want to sign him this month. I would suggest the summer will bring more favourable terms. But if you're looking for that type of player, Jeremy Frimpong of Bayer Leverkusen, very similar, very talented, maybe more talented and homegrown and should be cheaper. Former Italy international. Andrea Pirlo is interested in succeeding Roberto Martinez as Belgium manager. I mean, Pirlo did not do well at Juventus. Uh, He's currently managing a club whose name I will not butcher in Turkey. How has he done? 19 games, one seven, drawn five, lost seven. Not, not dreadful, but not good either. He would be getting that job based on name recognition if he got the Belgian job, which is not what Belgian... Go and find a real coach. There's there's plenty out there that would love that job. There's so much talent available to the Belgian coach. Uh, Wolf Zaha wants to stay at Crystal Palace until his contract expires before making a decision on his future. I'd love him to stay there for, for good. But he does leave... I think he should go abroad. Bournemouth are willing to let Danish midfielder Emiliano Emiliano Marcondes and Jamaica striker Jamal Lowe leave the club this window. Makes sense. Marcondes is talented, but he's more a championship player than a Premier League caliber player. He was a part of the Brentford team that won promotion, but... They didn't renew his contract and let him leave. Went to Bournemouth. Played a part in getting them up. But never established himself as first choice. Makes sense. And Jamal Lowe, I don't think he's a Premier League caliber player either. Former Birmingham, Newcastle and Sunderland manager Steve Bruce is set to retire from management after taking charge of 11 clubs in 25 years. Leeds are in advanced talks to sign Jorginho Rutter. In a move worth up to a club record 35.3 million. Now, that is a hefty, hefty fee, but he is a very talented player. A very, very talented player. And Leeds have tried, they've taken a few big swings in the last 18 months to get some high potential players. He's another one that came to that amazing academy at Wren. Um, I think he'd be a good signing for Leeds. Leeds will allow Joe Gelhardt to go on loan in January as he does not feature in Jesse Marsh's plans for the rest of the season. Nottingham Forrester and talks to sign 21-year-old Brazilian midfielder Danilo for 18 million-plus add-ons from Palmeiras. He is excellent. He is very, very, very good. Saudi Arabian coach, Sorry, Saudi Arabian club Al-Nazir want to sign Sergio Busquets, whose contract with Barcelona will run out in the summer. He seems keen on a move to America, but money talks and we'll see what he gets offered. Arsenal have appointed former England futsal player Hossein Issa, nicknamed Techers Guru, as a technical coach. Okay. Techers Guru. The 34-year-old Spaniard who has worked on TV adverts as Lionel Messi's body double will start his role before the 23-24 season. Tecker's guru. Has he got a YouTube? I'd be quite interested to see what this fella can offer. Uh, there we go. That's it. Nice and quick today, folks. Thank you as always, and I will see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.